Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Very much appreciate you joining me. And lots to talk about today, as there always is. Of course, there always is. Joining me for all the chat, James Price, former government advisor, now at Hanover Communications. Good morning to you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, thank you very much for for joining us. Um, Lots of news to talk about. Um, A woman has had a baby. We we might come to that. I'm sure you have very strong views. Lots to talk about there. Um, let's talk about first though the thing that is actually going to affect the vast majority of people in this country. Uh, apparently, apart from the people who are apparently just too afraid to leave their homes, polls uh, suggesting that 60% of people are anxious about lockdown easing on June the 21st. Um, well, that says the other 40% of us are just sitting here going, "Come on, drumming our fingers on the desk, waiting uh, for it to happen." But Freedom Day, we've all had in our diaries, circled in a sharpie. Uh, on the June the 21st, but just as we approach that date, well, it's looking less and less likely that Matt Hancock, the health secretary, doing the morning rounds uh, yesterday on the television, uh, seemed to be uh, leaving it very open for that date to be moved. There's talk uh, not only that even if it did happen on June the 21st, we'd keep uh, face masks uh, on the tube uh, and buses and trains and the like and and, and then unclosed public spaces, social distancing continuing, work from home uh, um, edict continuing where you can. Um, But even if that, that doesn't all continue, we do have some semblance of, of more normal life um june the 21st being delayed until july the 5th what do you make of that it's all down we're told to the indian variant and to rolling out more second jabs to over 50s does that justify delaying it i think it's very difficult and you see a lot of people saying oh well we knew once our freedoms were taken away we'd have to fight to get them back and so on and i don't think that that matt hancock is the sort of person who is uh desperate to keep people locked away forever or any kind of thing like that it's not a a deliberate kind of power grab or anything i think the problem is when you spend all day every day looking at 
the the edge cases and horrible deaths and people choking and spluttering in hospital beds and all these sorts of very difficult issues and you think well i alone have the power to save people from this and i've got scientists in lab coats telling me you must do this or more people will die because they're only concerned about the 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 overall death toll for when a final inquiry comes out and you're then not really having to be told all the time that you've got an economist in your ear saying yes what about people's jobs what about people's livelihoods you, you think you know you're doing the the right thing and oh and oh the, i'm really i'm undoubtedly i'm sure the health secretary and in fact michael gove he gets a, a clean bill of health on all this stuff all the time michael gove and matt hancock are the people who are driving all this government policy um boris johnson as far as we can understand just rubber stamps what they say um uh, but but the, you've got to remember that you know they have so much power. It's very very exciting to have the, the the country's future, to have lives in your hand, and feel that you and you alone stand between you know the plague and the British people. Um, when people say you know we have to fight to get those freedoms back, I mean I, I think they're very right. I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but my God, I think some of those people are, are got more of that right than a lot of other people because we are fighting to get those freedoms back. The thing about the June the twenty first, if it is delayed, then then there's no reason for it not to be delayed again. Do you know the July the fifth? Why went on the next? Why not the next? And 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 everyone knows the conversation is you know we have to do this now to avoid there being another lockdown in the autumn. Well, hold on a minute. It was irreversible and it wasn't supposed to be... This was the end of lockdowns. Each one has been the final lockdown to avoid the next lockdown. I mean, th- we are we, we are very much in the territory where we have... I mean, we three weeks to flatten the curve, la- March last year. January, it was until we rolled out the vaccine to the over 70s. Now, well, then it became rolling out the vaccine to over 50s. Now it's all adults being extended now to 12-year-old plus, no doubt at all it'll be babies at this rate, there's always going to be another excuse. There's always going to be another variant. And even when we have only a handful of cases, uh, a handful of deaths and a handful of hospitalisations, um, hospital bosses saying, look, we're not seeing a massive increase in people, or even a particular increase at all, in most parts of the country, in terms of people coming in with this new variant. Um, people, There are cases rising, but, you know, it's not translating into hospitalisations. Um we are. This is an unofficial zero COVID policy. And, and this is why I think that what will actually happen, as you say, is there will be a fudge on the 21st of June because that's what politicians manage to do. Yeah. There are people in cabinet, I think the chancellor probably in particular, um, and others who have uh, trying to take a kind of very holistic view of the, the damages that lockdowns and things can do, people's mental well-being to uh, businesses. You know, you're starting to see now that whilst places are opening up, there are lots of places that haven't opened up yet. And yeah. and I think when we do get that final unlocking and you see every third, fourth shop not opening up again, every third, fourth restaurant not opening up, and we'll start to count the toll of all of this. So there will be a fudge and you're right. And it may be that the, the lovely face masks will stay on tubes and buses and trains for a lot longer and some other bits and bobs like that. Uh, what I hope that happens is that people who've pinned absolutely everything on the 21st of June and are going to get married on the 22nd of June or yeah. the 23rd or or that kind of thing, that those are the sorts of things that will be allowed to happen because how heartbreaking to have to delay a wedding again or, or for any the fourth other time. celebration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. My, my worry is uh, if you don't stop it now, it never stops. Uh, and Boris Johnson hasn't got the backbone. Um, I'm sorry, he just hasn't got the backbone to stand up to this if you look at the actual stats all this stuff about this 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 vibe this new variant how it's more transmissible and more likely to result in hospitalization if you look at the the raw data of this people who understand this stuff much better than me the raw data that public health england and nhs england have, have got in about this and then and they their date that, that raw data does not back that up the extrapolations from well 
you know, the people we've seen, if that did actually translate into older people, then you would see this increase. And this idea that it's more transmissible. There are some scientists who are saying, I understand that the official line is it is, well, they're not sure. They think it may be up to 40% more transmissible. Um, there are some scientists who say that it, it looks like it just has been more transmitted because this the nature of the of the people who, who, who got this variant, people coming in from back from India, largely living in, in a lot of these northern cities where we've seen these uh, these big big breakouts, um, living in multi-occupancy homes, going out to work, not working from home. And therefore, it, it has, by the nature of the family life in which it has been brought in, it has spread more easily. That doesn't necessarily mean that some scientists are arguing, I'm, I'm not in a position to give a judgment on this, I'm not a scientist, that it, it may not be more transmissible, but it may just be more transmitted, which is a different thing. But even if it is more transmissible, as the majority of scientists uh, advising the government are saying, does that matter if people are double jabbed? I mean, I've had my second jab. Um, my husband's in his late 40s. He's been able to book, book his uh, for, for June as well. The people who haven't been double jabbed in their 50s have, have chosen not to be double jabbed in their 50s by this point. Yeah, and I think this is this is where we, as a as a society, it probably should have started a long time before we had a pandemic. But um, the issues around both personal responsibility, which is that case you got it just then, and, and also, frankly, the squishy, unpleasant conversations we don't often want to have about life and death and mortality, um, and the quality of life and things like that. So even before the pandemic hit, the amount of of money that the NHS spends on you in the last year, six months of your life, is more than the, the money normally that it spends on you for the, the rest of your life combined. And what does that do? It tends to put people in beds wired up to tubes and machines that go ping and all this sort of stuff. And it's not a particularly pleasant existence for that kind of time. Would that maybe be better if that money was spent on a, um, you know, you having enjoying the last couple of weeks and getting to come to terms with all these sorts of things. And that money then goes and is spent on your grandchildren getting better schooling, for example. Now, but the trade-offs, write that yeah. at large to the whole, the way that coronavirus works and the risk that we're taking. And then, as you say, people's personal responsibility. If you choose not to have the vaccine, okay, I think that should be probably your right to do that. But then you get the, the virus, then we shouldn't have the rest of society shut down yep. just to stop you getting that. And, yeah, and I and don't indeed. think that we have had that conversation properly yet. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. And also the issue of children getting jabbed. Um, my, my 14 year old will not be getting jabbed. Um, uh, even the, you know, the JCVI, which is advising on this, they're going to leave the they're going to leave the decision up to the government. And this is basically a, you know, an, an ethical, moral, um, political decision. Um, the, the children are at such low risk. I mean, I, I was looking up statistics for NHS England um, uh, yesterday. Um, since the beginning of the pandemic, in English hospitals, so in hospitals in England, now there may be other deaths outside hospitals in England, I would imagine children who are dying of COVID or young people dying of COVID are not dying outside of hospital uh, because you, you would be treating those children. So I think that's pretty unlikely there isn't even anybody who's, who's died outside of hospital. But in terms of since the beginning of the pandemic, teenagers and children, so anyone under the age of 20 who have died with or without underlying health conditions, and the vast majority of those have had very severe underlying health conditions, uh, you know, prolonged you know, cancer and, and the like, very sadly. But the total number of under 20 year olds who have died in hospitals in England since the beginning of the pandemic with COVID on their death certificate, not necessarily of COVID, but with COVID on their death certificate is 40. Now, uh, it's devastating for those families, devastating for them. I'm, I'm, you know, my heart goes out. So I can't think of anything more awful than losing your child. But 40. Um, the idea that we would vaccinate, you know, 10 million children 
um, when there is a risk of vaccination, as agreed by all scientists, there is a small risk of vaccination. You make the trade-off. And over 50, it's an easy trade-off. You definitely get the vaccination. And as you get younger and younger and younger, the trade-off becomes differently. Why would you need to vaccinate children who have basically got really, I mean, close to a healthy child, close to zero risk of dying, as close as possible to be of COVID? Uh, why would you give why would you give them a, a, a vaccine which you know has some risks all vaccines all treatments do when the the benefit is to older people largely people over 80 rather than to them I, to me it is beyond unethical well, i think Julia, in, later on in your show we're going to be talking about the the potential cuts to, to foreign aid and mm. um, the amount of money of, of british taxpayers money that goes around the world to help the poorest and most needy in the world what better could we do instead perhaps of of, of, of vaccinating children um sort of people as young as 12 why don't we go and put those vaccines in the arms of people who are over 80 or over 70 in parts of the developing world because they haven't had the uh, ability to lock down. They haven't had the money to be able to lock down yeah. in the way that we have to survive well, all of this stuff. Not that locking down is a good thing, but... <laughs> no, but no, but it was, it, it was at least it's a choice that's available to a nation rich enough to borrow money for things like yeah. furlough and so on. And places around the world haven't had that luxury of even that choice. Why don't we send those vaccines abroad where it can do the most good and save the most number of lives? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, there is certainly certainly an argument for that. That's what our foreign aid money should be spent on. I mean, um, a lot of people like me, though, very much the view that this sort of 0.7 cent cut down to 0.5 percent of GDP is actually a, a very good move. I don't, I don't think it should be enshrined in law at all. I think it should be up to the British people to decide how their tax uh, pounds are spent. Um, coming up, we are going to be talking about baby Lilibet. We're going to be talking about uh, those videos of migrants and the G7 summit uh, coming up. Oh, yeah, and Ollie Robinson getting suspended from cricket as well. That's all coming up. Plus a look at all the front pages uh, right now. The time is 6.45. This is Talk Radio. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.